You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Calling all mamas, today's episode of Thrive is especially for you. I am joined with powerhouse Dr. Jennifer Blossom, the CEO and founder of Blossoming Moms, and we dig in and dive deep into the realities of motherhood and breaking the survival cycle to choose to thrive again, both as a mom and as a human being. We talk about crucial mindset shifts that moms have to take to avoid overwhelm and anxiety time management tips to get back more of the time you swear you just don't have, how to create a more flexible schedule that works for everyone and that you're actually okay with, and then some. I know you're going to come away from this conversation feeling reinvigorated in your own motherhood journey, whether you are a brand spanking new mama or are already a few kids in. Be sure to stay tuned through this episode, drop us your thoughts on social media, and without further ado, welcome Jennifer. Hey girl, thank you so much for having me. Yay, thanks for being here. I know we both very much believe in going from surviving to thriving. So this is truly a podcast match made in heaven. <laughs> Absolutely, I, right? Like we need, we need to have more conversations like this. I feel like so many, so many moms are caught in this spin cycle of survival. And when we can bring forth the truth of how to really thrive, like it just is such a, a game changer for, for moms, for kids, and truly for generations to come. Oh, absolutely. And ironically, I actually started my podcast, Thrive, from my own motherhood journey going from surviving to thriving. So it literally is a perfect fit because it truly came from me realizing what I was in and what bad habits and cycles and thought patterns I was in and being like, you know what? I am done with this. Like I choose a different way. (laughs) So once I kind of like made a conscious decision and had that perspective shift myself to go from surviving to thriving, that was literally the catalyst to starting this podcast. So this conversation is, uh, going to be a great one. I'm sure. (laughs) Well, and I had the same story too. And I feel like those are some of the most powerful stories because we can relate to moms who are right there right now, like in the thick of it, in that rut, how do we get out? Like, girl, like you and I have both been there and it does start with that conscious decision, that intentional choice to say, Hey, this is a choice. Like I can stay here or I can make that decision. Sorry. That decision to take one step forward to, to, to move, to move out. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So you are an occupational therapist. You are the CEO and founder of Blossoming Moms, but I don't want to steal all of your thunder. So tell us more about who you are and what makes you you and tell us all about your mission at Blossoming Moms too. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. And like you girl, like I really started this, this company, this brand, this movement, because I was so stuck in that pit of survival. And it actually started before I had kids. I was treating patients and families and kids for years and years and years and found that as I was working with pediatric clients, there was so much support around the kids, but moms were lacking this support. And so it was ironic to me that we were there helping their kiddos, but no one was helping the moms. And so before I became a mom, I was like, oh, that's interesting, but really didn't click with me until I became a mom. And I was like, okay, like there is no support, there is no help. And so I was just thrown into motherhood, how we all are. And 
didn't know how to get out of that survival mode pit. And I found myself getting deeper and deeper and deeper into this rut of just trying to put out fires every single day. Like I felt like I was just showing up and going through the motions and just trying to hang on, just trying to survive. And it was when my oldest was just about one, um, I realized that I like, I don't want to live this way anymore. It wasn't who I was. I wasn't liking who I was. <clears throat> I was showing up and just not being the best mom for my kids, for my, my husband, for myself. And so it was in that moment that like really true, like breakdown of a moment, that ugly cry moment on the couch where it was like, I wasn't wearing a bra. I was in like gray on gray on gray sweats. And it was just like this really big, ugly cry moment of like, wow, I have a choice right now to continue on this path or to figure out the mom that I want to become and take that baby step, that baby shift forward every single day to become her. So it was in that moment that I made that intentional shift. And it wasn't like a light bulb happened and overnight everything changed, but it started with that intentional decision of this is a choice to live this way, or I can choose to switch and step into a season in a life where I am in control of my thoughts, my actions, my habits. Um, and, and that's what started blossoming moms. Cause I realized that as I was sharing my journey and the habits I was learning about the, the body and psychology and motherhood, that there were millions and millions of moms who were in the same boat. In fact, there was an article from, I think it was CNBC, um, that was just posted that was talking like post, I guess not post pandemic. So we're still in it, but right now, nine, I think it was 9.1 or 9.3, 9 point something million moms are experiencing burnout right now. And so just thinking about that message of like, gosh, like how, how can we reach and connect with moms who are feeling this? Because we're, you know, you're not alone. And it just takes that decision to recognize where you are and that next best step forward. Oh, so many good things you just mentioned there. I think it's important to, to, really look at and redefine what the choice means and what that looks like because I feel like that's thrown that's thrown around in a lot of different contexts and a lot of different conversations in terms of just whether it's just choose to thrive or whether it's choose to be happy or choose joy and I'll, it can get a lot of eye rolls because people are like what do you yes. mean like this is called real life I can't just sit up and go oh I choose it to be different and then like snap my fingers and poof it's everything is sunshine and rainbows but I think it's important to really kind of emphasize the fact that the cho you have to want it to be different. And I say that because with like a, a caveat, because I think a lot of times people go, well, of course I want it to be different. But I think that there's a lot of familiarity that comes with the suckiness sometimes. And even if it's not necessarily comfortable, it's still comfortable in the sense of it is familiar. And if we don't necessarily know a different way, even if that way could be better, our, our brain just kind of goes, okay, well, this is at least, even though it kind of sucks and I hate it and I don't really like my life right now, I at least know it. So it's at least safe in the sense of if I do something different, I don't necessarily have that known, guaranteed, definite end result yet. And that's scary. So I'm just going to stay where it's safe and not even try something different because I can just keep dealing with the suckiness and like, yeah. maybe it'll be better. Maybe it won't, but at least I know, at least I know it. It's a known. And that, that's where I'm like, that's that decision factor right there comes into play because it's like, you have to be willing to say, you know what? I might not know what the next step to thriving actually looks like, but I'm at least willing to like step, to dip my toes in the water and like, just at least see what it feels like and try, try to see if it's different and how I can make it different. And I'm not yeah. just going to like sit there and let it be just like, yeah. let it be sucky. 
Yeah. I'm like, girl, yes. Preach, preach, preach. <laughs> like my, my like, oh, like, and I feel like personally, like I've been walking through so much of this right now because as humans, we resist change, right? Like we want that comfort of familiarity. But the problem is, is that when we get too comfortable, we'll just do what's convenient, right? And convenient is not changing, is not pushing ourselves to expand. And so if we really want to create and generate that change in our life, we have to move through what's convenient and really step into our commitment. And like you said, like, it's not just like these trendy buzzwords of, oh, like cultivate the happiness and the joy and blah, blah, blah. Like that's important, but really deep into your core, what does that mean? Like, who are you? What kind of mom do you want to show up as? Because when you can tap into that, like that deep of a level, that's when your fulfillment and your meaning and your purpose comes to fruition. And that's like how deep and how important this conversation is when we can get to the root of it and not these like topical band-aids that culture is putting on, like find your joy, woohoo. Like, no, it's so much deeper than that. And the cool thing too, Erica, is that it not only impacts us as moms, but also our kids. And mm -hmm. so when we can create this for ourselves, we're actually creating this generational change. And that is in itself so empowering. Oh my God. Yes. I'm like sitting here and like, yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. ourselves all day. Right. Oh my gosh. So I know, I think you have this on your website, but it's, I've heard this before too. And I think it's so good where people will talk about motherhood being the only job where you can literally be surrounded by people, but still feel alone, which I think is so true and kind of crazy to think about and sad and like a whole bunch of things. But what do you think is the biggest cause of that? I think as moms, we can get so caught up in doing our kids that we forget to do ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like we get so caught up in their identity, which is great, but we also have to have that. And I use the word balance very lightly, but we also have to have this space for ourselves because if we are caught every single day doing our kids all day, every day, everything is about them. And we forget who we are and do things that make us who we are, we lose that sense of self. We lose that sense of identity. And one of the most important aspects of our motherhood is to have those rich relationships. We need connection with other moms. And it's really this odd, tricky time right now, you know, being still in this pandemic and, and everything. It's like, how do you find that mom community? You know, if you're in a small town or a big city or you've moved, like we can always find almost like these excuses as to why we can't create these relationships, but it doesn't matter where you've been, where you're at, or what your season looks like. We have to be, again, intentional with cultivating those friendships, whether they are online or at what church or at school, or like, I don't know, like wherever your kids are plugged in, like you've got to take that effort and put in the work to cultivate those relationships or motherhood will be lonely. And it's, I feel like it's like, wouldn't you agree? Like it's so much better with friends. Like we, we need that dialogue more than just your kids and more than just, you know, your partner, your husband, whatever. Mm -hmm. What do you think is a way that moms can kind of break the cycle of something I see all the time is like, people will jump to just kind of talking about their own kids. And it almost, it almost has this weird, like competitive feeling, not yeah. in an actual um, like what's your kid doing compared to mine, but people will just, it's, 
people struggle to empathize, I feel like, yes. where it becomes people will jump right to, well, my kid did X, Y, Z at this age. And like, well, I, I see what you're saying, but here's what happened for me. And it almost immediately takes the spotlight off of the person who might actually be trying to relate to somebody. And it automatically makes it like, well, here's my story. And it, it feels like it puts this weird dynamic on conversations between mom friends, because it's like, no one is truly getting to the deeper level of feeling heard, understood, related to, and seen because it just, everyone keeps directing the spotlight back to, well, let me just tell you my struggle. Let me tell you my struggle. But everyone wants to be seen and connected to and heard. So how do you think we can like break that cycle where people can actually foster a deeper relationship with their mom friends and still get to talk about their kids and what they're going through and all of that, but actually have true connection and like actually help each other out on that deeper level. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, That is such a good question. And I feel like this is one thing I challenge myself to do and like make it a challenge for yourself too, ladies, is that get curious. Like when you're in a room, one of my favorite goals is to make anybody I'm talking to feel super comfortable. Like really thinking about this conversation, like it's not about me. How can we have a deeper conversation about you know, this person. And naturally, like if someone's a good conversationalist, they will be able to converse back to you, but take the conversation and get curious about their life. So what if we ask questions that didn't pertain to our kids? Or what if we ask more questions? You know, if you do have kids, whatever, kid talk, talk about kids, but ask about other things in their life. And naturally that will direct the conversation to more, not necessarily more meaningful conversations, but deeper, richer conversations. So I would totally say like, get curious, make people feel comfortable and ask, ask better questions. Like it really, when we can learn how to have a conversation besides that topic, like you were saying, like that, almost like that, it's not like a competitive conversation, but it is like, well, my kid did it. Well, my kid did Mm -hmm. this. It's like, let's, let's be in control of our conversations and ask better questions to go deeper. Yeah, totally. So I know you do a lot of stuff on mindset too. So what do you see as some of the biggest, most monumental mindset shifts that moms should take and maybe don't or take, I don't want to say too late because I would like to believe that it's never too late for anything, but take later in the game than would be ideal. Because I mean, I saw on your website, I think it was studies have shown 40% of moms feel overwhelmed or depressed after having a baby, which is like, that's like crazy stats. That's literally almost half of moms. <laughs> so yeah. what are some of these mindset shifts that, that moms should be more proactively taking maybe than we've done in the past? Yeah, this is foundational. And I feel like every mom, when she enters motherhood, should like have this questionnaire. Like, you know, we like have our babies in the, at the hospital, whatever, they'll bring out like all these like forms for your kids. I'm like, look, where's the form for moms? I'm like your mindset. So honestly, I feel like when we have kids, we, we, <laughs> we lose a piece of ourself. But the problem is, is that when we lose that piece of ourself, I feel like it gets pushed further and further and further down until our kids become our whole identity. And I have worked with, gosh, over 20,000 moms. And within all of those moms, they, most of those moms have felt so lost as to who they are. And so for, for me, when I'm working with moms, the number one thing is to truly go inside. Like we are so in this quick fix society where we want to search on Pinterest or follow the latest Instagram influencer and figure out like what they're saying and what the positive code is for the day or whatever. And that stuff is great. But again, that is that very topical band-aid approach to 
to thriving, right? In motherhood. So my number one, like mindset shift is to go inwards, like release all of this external stuff and go inside, really get out a journal and ask yourself, who do I want to show up as, as a mom? Like really dissect that question. Almost like you're creating this motherhood avatar of, of who you want to be. Like, who does she show up as for her kids? How is she talking to herself? How is she treating her husband? How is she treating her kids on a daily basis? What kind of habits does she have for herself? Is she a hot mess or is she a mom who is organized and taking ownership and rolling with the punches because life happens? Like we're not perfect. We're taking imperfect action every single day. Really cultivate a sense of who that mom is because when you have her in your mind, and it sounds kind of silly, but when you really think about her, your thoughts, your actions, your habits are going to trickle down from that image of her. And so that greatest mindset shift is figuring out who you are meant to be and taking those action steps towards her every day. Because if we don't have that mindset, if we don't know who we want to be, it's like the blind leading the blind. How do you know where to step? How do you know where to walk? How do you know what you're aiming and walking towards? And so getting very, very clear on who you want to become and taking those imperfect steps forward is like number one bread and butter of that mindset shift for moms. And I feel like this should be a hospital questionnaire when you walk out. (laughs) Uh, Couldn't agree more. (laughs) Uh, Building off of that, I feel like there's another mindset shift that has to happen once once someone decides, okay, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to show up as. I feel like there's another shift that happens once someone actually makes that decision because now comes imposter syndrome and now comes all of the reasons why it's too hard or I just can't do it. I don't have the resources. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the strength. I don't have whatever. And we can talk ourselves out of something quicker than we can talk ourselves into it. So once someone sees, okay, this is who I want to be. This is who I want to show up as, as a mom, as a human being, what's kind of like the next mindset shift to feel and truly believe or start to believe that she can actually become her because I feel like there's like you make up your mind and then it can just be so overwhelming facing all of the doubts and the what ifs that come in between and then I know for someone like me like I'm super logical kind of more of a realist where I'm like okay I'm going to struggle with just uh, affirmations or something like that because I'm like, I want proof. (laughs) I'm like, I want proof from my surroundings or whatever. And I'm sure there might be other girls who have this feeling too. So if you're someone where you're like, all right, I need empirical proof that I can actually do something or I'm going to struggle with believing like, I'm, I got it. I can totally do it. What's kind of that next mindset shift that has to happen there? Okay. So my first step is to take one action step today. I feel like as moms, like we have this great grandiose idea of who we want to become, but then it can also be overwhelming. It's like, where do I start? So if we could pick one area in our life and in our motherhood for us to start today, and then we create that confidence and that momentum. So maybe for moms, like it's, I want to be a mom who is ahead of the laundry. Like I feel like laundry is one of those really practical, tangible things that can be all encompassing and super discouraging and defeating. So, so we write that down in our journal, right? Like I want to be a mom who is on top of the laundry. Okay. What's one step that we can do today to make that 
reality. So we can create a routine where we're doing one load of laundry every single day in its entirety. So wash, dry, fold, and put away. And we do that day after day after day after day. And if we take it one step further, if we can anchor that onto a routine that's already permanent in our schedule, like for me, it comes immediately after I make my coffee uh, first thing in the morning. So I'll start my coffee, start my laundry, and it's part of my day-to-day routine. So then what happens is we have anchored this new habit onto an existing habit that we already have and we start to create this momentum because you're seeing hey i actually can do this i actually can make change and so we just again we just pick one area that we want to start to improve on we start to implement that in our life and over the week, over the month, like you realize that becomes a part of who you are. Awesome. And then we take the next habit. And so over time, it's not all these like momentous things all at once is taking one baby step forward, doing it, doing it imperfectly, but doing it well and having it become an automatic part of your day-to-day life and your, in your, your well-being and your, your, you know, who you are. And then over time, like we add more and more of those habits and that really helps to shape you into the mom that you're working to become. Yes. And I think there's two things to point out here too. One being it's important to choose things that are actually provable and doable, not some like arbitrary finish line. Like I'm going to be Wonder Woman where there's not really any sort of proof points along the way of what that actually looks like, but you're, you need things that are actually provable and actually doable on an everyday basis. Like what you just said. And I think of it too, like, For myself, I was in a workout journey at one point and I was like, you know what? I really just want to feel stronger. So for me, that became, all right, well, if I keep lifting weights at some point, I will, that will become easy. I will become stronger. And when I move up a weight class, I will know, oh, look, I'm getting stronger. Like it wasn't, it's not even like you're setting this arbitrary end result of this is the award I want to win, or this is the recognition I want to receive or whatever. It's just, I think it's, it's good to pick things that are workable and achievable over a period of time so that you can slowly but surely start building working at it where it's this process that you can watch yourself go through and that process is what proves to yourself that you can actually do these hard things later because you're like oh remember that time when i didn't think i was strong then remember how i was working out for x amount of months and then became strong like it's it proves to you that the process is doable and that the process is worth it and i think those are really important. Absolutely. And it gives you that sense of confidence and momentum. And it's really taking those baby steps with that consistency time and time and time again, to prove to yourself that yes, you can do this. It's not doing everything all at once, but it's just that daily intentional decision every single day over time that will help you thrive for the long run. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. So drop us your top three favorite time management tips. Cause I know you're also a time management queen. It could be more than three. If you've got, if you're like like, 17, I am not here to limit you by any means, but (laughs) drop us like some of your favorite time management tips, because I think you and I are both kind of like junkies with with (laughs) when it comes to time management. Yes. Well, here's the thing though. And like time management also is one of those things that's like very flashy, very trendy. Like there's beautiful Pinterest things on it, but it's like, 
Okay. But what's the reality for mom, moms? Because yeah. like mom life happens and we got to be real with this, but like, also we have to understand that we, yes, we are moms and we can take ownership over our time. Cause the reality is, is how we spend our time determines the, tra- the, the trajectory of how we spend our life. And so if we're always spent, you know, spinning our wheels and putting out fires and living in chaos, which most moms are, that's the reality of our motherhood. So my very first time management tip is to get very, very clear on your priorities because oftentimes moms prioritize everything. And if everything in your day, if everything in your life is a priority, nothing truly is a priority. So what we want to do is just strip down your motherhood to the bare bones, to those essentials and get very, very clear on what's most meaningful and most important to you and to your family right now in this season. Because oftentimes too, as moms, we try to fit things into our season that is like trying to fit a square peg in a circle hole. Like it's just not working. So let go of the things that don't serve you and your family right now. And only you know that, right? Like only you know what truly brings your family joy and purpose and meaning and fulfillment. So getting rid of all the extras, focusing on the essentials and those little things that bring you guys joy. That's number one is letting go of all the extras and focusing on the priorities. Number two is then looking at how can we structure our day in a way that allows us to get the things that we need to get done, done and the things that we want to get done. And for me, Erica, I remember being in grad school when I was getting my doctorate, like I was very much that rigid type A personality, like from six to seven in the morning, I'm going to do this from seven to eight. I'm going to do this from nine to 12. We're going to do this. It's like hour to hour to hour to hour. And I tried to carry that very rigid time blocking schedule into my motherhood. And it was a colossal disaster. Like, I think that like spiraled into time into like survival mode. Cause I realized that, yeah, kids don't follow that. Like it doesn't work. <laughs> so what was super helpful for me is to schedule things into my day using, using like the, the, the chunks of the, the day in itself. So for instance, like morning, afternoon, evening. And so knowing that I need to get this thing done in the morning or this thing done in the afternoon, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like at 7 a.m. unless it's a non-negotiable, like this podcast recording or whatever, but really working with the flow of your day and just knowing that you need to get it done at some point in this time frame, that has been such a grace-based approach to still staying on track, but also having that flexible flexibility and um, not rigidity when it comes to having, um, you know, control over your time. And then the last thing that's been a huge game changer is to have a family meeting every Sunday night. This is so important for me and for my husband and our kids are still little, little, so they're not really a part of the conversation, although they like to be, but they're not really. Um, but it really, it's like, it's so helpful. So we do this every single Sunday night when we are having family, a family dinner and we look at the whole week ahead. So what are the events coming up for the week? What's going on? Really getting on the same page with our communication so we can see and we can know what to expect this week. And, and sometimes like things don't always go as planned, but having that baseline of a communication with your spouse or partner is so important and so helpful for your week. So those three things. So um, getting very, very clear on your priorities, letting go of that rigid, like hour to hour time blocking schedule and working with the flow of your day. So morning, afternoon, and evening, and then having that weekly family meeting on Sunday night to have a week at glance. Those have been, those three things have been so, so helpful for me and really taking ownership over my time um, and being more in control of the flow of the day instead of instead of letting the day just take over me. 
Mm, all good ones. I can personally attest to how good they are as well because I share a lot of those myself, especially I was someone who used to try to do a rigid work schedule for myself, just like you, type A, hello. And when that was something that I struggled with when I became a mom because I was trying to do work from home and be a mom. And like anybody who has attempted that feat knows that like, you can't time block things if you don't have childcare on a given day. God, no. Like simply getting something done that was on the list for that day can be an accomplishment. Yes. So it take, I think taking a step back also to look at the way that you're scheduling and be like, does this actually have to get done at that specific time? And like, what's the reason? Because I think a lot of times like people like you and I can get sucked into this habit of doing that because we want to, or it makes us feel good or feel accomplished. But like the world will totally keep turning if it doesn't happen at that specific time. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes life it's like, yeah. yeah, like life's going to go on. Everyone's going to be okay. You're still a great mom. Your kids are still fine. Like all is fine and well. And it takes us being able to recognize that and shift our perspective and literally just be like, you know what? Like it's actually okay. It doesn't mean that I'm a slacker or that the world is falling apart or that I'm no longer a good or caring mother. If something happened like, three hours later than I originally hoped that it would, or if it doesn't even happen at all that day because life happens and schedules change and that's okay. So I think, um, yeah, that's just a really important breakthrough for people to have if you are someone who's a more rigid scheduler because like literally step back, just sit back and just think like, is it really affecting my kids negatively if it happens an hour later? Do they even know that it's happening an hour later? Right. No, right. <laughs> they right. do not. <laughs> yes, right here we are like, oh, but it's an hour later, but like releasing that control. Like you said, it's just, it's such it's such a grace-based approach to scheduling. I think that in itself is so freeing for moms, especially those of us who are like very rigid, very type A, like letting go and just pivoting, but also being flexible is just like the greatest gift to yourself and to your kiddos. They don't notice if it's happening, what you think is off schedule. They do right. notice if you feel like a hot frazzled mess or you're huffing and puffing and frustrated and, and, and frazzled yeah. walking uh -huh. around the house. So yeah. that's, I think what's important to keep in mind is it's like, they're not going to know that it's not the schedule that you wanted or not the activities you wanted or whatever, but they are going to very much pick up on mommy's mood throughout it all. So <laughs> important. Yeah. Yes. So can you walk us through a few of maybe like your favorite strategies for maybe simplifying your schedule so that it does allow for this flexibility while you're still feeling structured and still feeling organized? Because I know that can feel like a really hard shift if you're someone who is attached to your schedule where it can feel like, wait, now I'm just throwing all rules out the window. Anything goes like, let's eat ice cream for dinner. Like it can feel hard to main, find that sweet spot between kind of being structured and being organized, but still having flexibility. And like, what does that even look like? So can you kind of tell us what that looks like for you and maybe drop some strategies for just like simplifying it all to make it something that's not overwhelming and horrible and frustrating? Yeah. yeah and that's the key is like it all boils down to simplifying. And I think that as moms, it scheduling and routines and all this, like it's very, very trendy and it can feel very, very overwhelming, especially when we're trying to verbatim use 
somebody else's schedule and to make it try to fit our lives. And so some really, really practical ways, and let's just build off of our tips from earlier. So you, you have a meeting on Sunday night, like whether it's with yourself or with your husband or whatever, and look at the week at glance. And then the next step really is to check in with yourself and with your calendar every, every night or every morning before the day starts. So I prefer nighttime check-ins, but some moms thrive with early morning check-ins. So really it's whatever works for you. That's the whole key of this is to make it work for you. So at night or the morning of, you're going to look at your, you're going to look at your next day. And I always tell moms, like, just pick five things. Like, I think we try to overload our schedule so much with the, the nitty gritty that it's like, <clears throat> but can you really get all that done in one single day? And then when you don't, you feel defeated and it's this whole cycle over and over again. So the sweet spot has been to choose, like just choose five things that you need to get done in that given day. And these five things can be your non-negotiable. So for us, like this podcast interview, it could be a dentist appointment. It could be your work. It could be a workout. Like literally it is anything that makes sense for you and for your your season. And this could change on a day by day basis. So just choose five things that you want to get done or need to get done in any given day. Again, these can be non-negotiables. These can be essential items. These can be things that you just need for yourself and fit them in, in the flow of your morning, afternoon, or night. So first load your day with a non-negotiable. So for us, like for me, it's eight o'clock in the morning in Alaska. So I know that this interview is sliding in on a permanent slot at eight o'clock in the morning. And then after this, I have an, an admin eating, an, an, an admin meeting. So that goes right after this. And then I have some lunch tasks. And so I'm just filling out my day. So really it's looking at a fill your day first with the non-negotiables. And then the things that you would like to get done, the things that you would like to get done, they have the flexibility of shifting throughout your day. So for instance, for me, I would like to meal prep today during lunch uh, when my kids are eating lunch for dinner tonight, but if something happens and my kids need my attention or there's a meltdown that doesn't happen, I know that I can shift my meal prep towards an earlier evening. It doesn't have to be at lunchtime. So really having that flexibility of shifting your tasks as needed um, is super important as well. And then having some kind of daily planner or tracker, whether it is like a hardback, I'm such like a paper, a paperback planner. I love that, Me but too. some people love, right? Like there's just something about that, but some people love a digital planner. So really it's figuring out what works for you and being able to track that for yourself. So you can stay, you know, on track. Um, and then having, this is like my final tip and it's really helpful. So you don't have this endless to-do list is have like almost like a bucket list of things that you would like to get done this week, but you don't have to. So if you have time today, great. Pick one thing from your bucket list from the, for the week and do it. But this really breaks breaks the cycle of us having to live our motherhood from this endless to-do list. When you can focus on those four to five tasks to get done during your day, and you can see that list of things that you would like to get done during the week, but you don't have to, that really breaks that, that chain of like you being so glued to your list that if things don't get done, you feel defeated. And so that has been so liberating for so many moms and having that ownership and control over her days and her schedule um, to simplify it to really break it down to the bare bones and to take action on what matters and what matters most. And then, um, yeah, just having that flexibility is just, is just, I think so key for our mamas. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Love everything you said there. And I think that it's also, it gives you the time and the permission to choose rest at the end of all of it. Because I think yeah. oftentimes as moms, the last thing that we might prioritize is rest for ourselves. But obviously you can't pour into anyone else's cup if you're pouring from an empty cup. So I think if you have an actual set list, like you said, a weekly bucket list where you're picking and choosing 
things to add in optionally if you happen to finish everything else already there it also gives you the opportunity to have like catching up on your favorite tv show on the list or like yeah. taking a bubble bath and shutting the door like and not actually having to continually be in this idea of mom mode that's in your head where yes. you're just doing things for everybody else in your family except yourself it gives you that opportunity and that permission to be like you know what you finished your list now you get to pick something for you <laughs> doesn't that sound fun <laughs> exactly and that that is such a lost art today is to yes to cultivate that white space and that can totally be one of your five things that you choose like tonight I'm taking a bath and I am reading a book and having that guilt-free and knowing that you don't have to remember a million things in your head because it's all on your list. And so that again is like so freeing for moms and to know that we need that white space to recharge and to not have that guilt. Cause like you said, Erica, like you can't pour when your cup's empty, when your well's dry and you're going to be a better mom because of that. Like when you are filling in and pour into yourself. Absolutely. Oh, could not agree more. Um, do you have, cause you mentioned doing weekly check-ins too with your husband and your whole fam. Do you have any other favorite ways to get and stay connected to both your kids or your partner or anyone else close to you in your life really to kind of reconnect on that deeper level and maintain that instead of getting caught up and just feeling like you're going through the motions every single day? Yeah, I think it boils down to this underlying message that our whole discussion today is intentionality. And we have to remember as moms that life can either happen to us or we can decide to show up and to be intentional with how we, with how we parent, with how we connect, with how we live. And so when it comes to the intentional connection with those around us, what can you be doing today to connect with your husband? Can you be, you know, texting him throughout the day or maybe not throughout the day because that's kind of annoying. Okay. That is kind of annoying. Okay. Can you text him at lunchtime or like on your, if you are a working mom, like out at your work break or when the kids go on for a nap, like, can you find one or two spaces throughout your day where you can call or text your husband? Like that's been huge for my marriage. And then with your kids, same thing. Can you find and cultivate and create, intentionally create space to connect with your kiddos. Go outside for a walk, put off all technology and get on the floor and play Legos, read puzzles, play dolls, like whatever it is that your kids love to do. Finding and creating that space to connect. It's not about quantity, but really about the quality intentional time. And it really comes down to us making that intentional decision to create that space, to act on that space and to know that those are the moments that matter most. And so loving on your people and loving on your people well, it's one of the greatest gifts that we can give our family. And I feel like as moms, one of our greatest responsibilities and greatest habits that will change generations to come when we create that space for intentional connection, that's gonna give our family and our kids a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning. And that in itself is like such a great joy and and honor for us as moms. Could not agree more. At that point, you can just drop the mic yeah. and walk off. Right? So, for yeah. it. so, so, so good. Uh, well, I want to get things wrapped up by asking you something that I ask everyone who comes on Thrive, and this should be right up your alley, Jennifer. It is. Oh, I'm like nervous. <laughs> what does Thrive mean to you, and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? 
Oh, I love this. So thriving means truly owning your life every single day. It means walking in your purpose, walking in your truth and being unapologetic and knowing who you are and owning it every day. When we know who we are and when we are confident in that and take those habits and mindset shifts around that, not only are we living and walking and and living a life out on purpose, but we're also giving our kids permission to do the exact same. And so Thriving is just that. It's knowing and owning who you are, honoring that, and equipping your kids to do the same. Absolutely love it. So tell us where we can find you online if listeners want to connect with you more and learn all about Blossoming Moms. Thank you so much, Erica, for having me. So we actually have a podcast as well, The Blossoming Moms Show. And then we are popping over on Instagram. So um, you can come connect with us at blossomingmoms underscore co underscore co. And then at blossomingmoms.co.co is our website. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.